0: Hello and welcome once again to wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Be on the FM dial you can check it out worldwide as we stream at RadioNorthland.org Not only do we stream but we also have the episodes, past episodes, episodes you missed live and in the moment we got them for you at RadioNorthland.org I'm Glenn Braggitt back for another round of wrestling Memories Then and Now along with my co-host who is back this week. He was on assignment last, uh, the previous week while I had a very, very, uh lively chat uh, with Charlie Norris and Eddie Sharkey, but he's back this week down there deep in the heart of Texas in that mobile studio. He's ready to go. He's not getting cooked alive because it's not that it's that time of year where it's actually reasonable. I want to welcome Mr. Mike McCurdy, the grizzled vet to the program. Mike, it's good to have you back aboard this week on wrestling memories. Then and now
1: always, always, man. I look forward to coming on and talking with you and our guests every every week on wrestling memories. So, and definitely, definitely not the roasting down here. More like freezing. Freezing. We have a little cold front going on. The high is like forty. Now, for you in Minnesota, you'd love a high of forty, but oh yeah, you know, a high of forty in Texas is a little bit chilly. We and, don't like
0: it. Yeah, It was like 40 or 40 <laughs> or so here today. And we were just out in the shorts, you know, we're going to get the barbecue grill going. I mean, I mean most, of go, that, most, go. most of that snow is kind of melted, you know, so everything's good. Living, living's good up here, but yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm not glad that you're freezing, but I'm glad that you're not, uh, you know, getting baked out there. Uh, down there deep in the heart of Texas. But yes, uh glad to have you back, man. We've got some uh, good stuff to talk about. Like I said, there's lots of good things developing here with Raslin Memories that and now for the next not only this episode, but for the next couple of weeks, uh it's going to get real interesting here as we head into uh late autumn and into into the winter as we wrap up uh the the longest year ever, 2020. Well,
1: oh, yeah, I don't I don't even know if we want to do a year in review of 2020 because oh, I think God. it'll just be, you know, sadness but uh before before we move on though i'd like to bring it up uh at the time of this recording you know we record you know later air date uh just yesterday i want to acknowledge you know, the passing of uh tracy smothers he was a he was a guest on our show previously and you know everybody knows tracy smothers and all that but he passed away from cancer at the age of 58 so uh
0: ah, so unfortunate know. i mean kind of,
1: kind of sad news
0: a well-liked guy in the business uh, still. I mean, the, when the tributes were rolling in, I mean, you could really tell that uh, Tracy had a lot of love, a lot of support, and a lot of friends. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people were very, very sad uh, with his his death. And we had him on the program. Great guest. I mean, uh, in the midst of all of his health trouble, he still managed to put out, get this book out and, and together, and was doing media and doing wrestling appearances before COVID kind of shut things down. I mean, him and John Cosper, I mean, it was just... So unfortunate. Just a s kind of a sad, sad day uh, when we, when I got the news about Tracy Smothers passing away. And you know what? A, what a great guy and, and man. I still uh, it makes me smile. Uh, somebody posted him uh, doing his uh, full-blooded Italian dance moves on, on one of the clips, and it was it was awesome, man. The guy could cut a rug.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, and it doesn't matter. You know, Tracy Smothers. You know, he kind of went across. You know, many years. Or so. You might have known him in WCW. You might have seen him in WWF as Freddie Joe Floyd. ECW, of course, as you said, the full-blooded Italians. I mean, come on, you know, who knew Tommy Rage had an Italian background? But
0: <laughs> the, the Big Don.
1: But you know, Tracy, some others was everywhere, and such a great guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 wrestled every. I mean, like that, and even the what insane clown posse he was for, tight with. I mean, this guy was just all over the place. A true uh, a true professional wrestler to the very end. It's just sad. But we all we're gonna celebrate. It's a rest in power moment for Tracy Smothers. Uh, one good guy and man. I still remember the the wild-eyed Southern Boys. But they had some great matches with the Freebirds.
1: Oh, definitely the Freebirds. You know, and of course they had matches. You know, with the you know, Midnight Express and. You know, just just great stuff. I mean, Tracy Smother was always, even under Freddie Joe Floyd. You know, he was always just you know such a great worker in the ring.
0: Just a stacked tag division back then too. When you think about, it. I remember watch you know watching that NWA stuff uh, in the late '80s. Boy, they had it was just an awesome time uh, for for wrestling. And uh, yeah, just great great tag teams, man.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The Midnight Express. You had the, you know the, the the Wild-eyed Southern Boy. Dynamic dudes were in that area. You had you know SST b and Brian Pillman were doing their thing and all. I mean, there was just great teams and a lot of great tag team action. And of course, you know, the Road Warriors, always a part of the scene back then, the Steiner brothers, you know, it was great.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I mentioned that the Samoan SWAT team, I mean, come on. And
1: the Samoan SWAT team, of course, the Which, SST.
0: Yes, yes. I loved them with Heyman. They were quite the combination. So, you know, again, with Roman Reigns being uh, aligned with Paul Heyman, it all makes such perfect sense. I mean, going back to the, the family tree of the Samoan dynasty.
1: That's right. Roman Reigns is now the tribal chief kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, Alpha the Sika come out, uh, at their last pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, it was. And God, you know, it, it, if this whole COVID thing wasn't going on, man, you would have to think that this would be leading up to an inevitable stadium filler, you know, against the rock.
1: I think that's where they're going. I think that's what they're hoping for. You know, I think that could be a definite, obviously, a marquee matchup. You know, and I'd be curious to see where that goes. I'm interested in the storyline. You know, finally, Roman Reigns gets to be a heel. You know, they're not trying to force him as the good guy. They're not trying to make everybody love him. They're just letting him be a badass, which is what that man is.
0: Absolutely. Hey, we have a guest today. You went out and did a little book in here while you were on assignment. Hey, you did a lot of book in here recently, and the upcoming episodes will tell the tale of that. But I want you to bring in our guest today, give him the good old introduction he so richly deserves, and get, let's get, get to talking with this gentleman.
1: I'm looking forward to talking with our guest this week. You know, uh, introduced to him back in May when uh, Kenny Casanova and John Cosper presented the COVID Con. Uh, that weekend, I probably spent more time with our guests than I did with my own family, uh, about 24 hours, uh, 24 hours of uh, just great interviews uh, with the COVID con, which was kind of one of the first virtual conventions. And our guest, you know, he came on board with that. Now he's hosting wrestling bookmarks uh, every Thursday night at 830 Eastern. Uh, you can find that on Facebook. you go through the streamer. Right after that, you can also see Offshoots TV. So I tend to watch bookmarks as I'm getting ready for Offshoots TV. So I'm looking forward to our guest today and kind of hear more of his story and how he kind of got into the, you know, into the business and talk about some of the fun he's been having with COVID Con and recently the Collie Con and wrestling bookmarks. But our guest this week is none other than Mr. Ed Bratz. Ed, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, appreciate you
1: guys having me on. Oh, anytime, man. Like I said. Um, introduced to you when with uh, the COVID Con back in May. You and, uh, you know, Rob the Slob, as he was referring to himself, uh, hosted that, and that was an amazing event. You know, like I said, that's where I was introduced to you, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners who watch COVID Con and have gone back over the archives, have seen it, but what I'd like to know is, you know, where, what, what's your background? You know, what, what got you involved kind of in the wrestling business, and how did you get involved hosting, you know, well, basically the first virtual con?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So it's kind of a funny story. So I, um, it probably started a few years ago. I, uh, you know, I was coming up on a monumental birthday. It was my 40th birthday and I wanted, I wanted to do something, uh, you know, a little different than what other people were doing. So I, I um, connected with uh, a former wrestler, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I wanted to go to dinner with him. You know, I, I, I got a way to go to dinner with him for my 40th. My, my wife, uh, you know, handled that for me. We went to we went to dinner, had a great time, uh, kept in touch. And then uh, he invited me to um, his induction ceremony at WrestleMania last year. And I met Kenny Casanova. He had just written Brutus' book. And then I had Kenny on uh, a podcast that I was doing called Let Me Ask You This. I had Kenny on. And it was funny because I interviewed Kenny for like an hour and he had no idea that I was, I had, I had grown a beard at the time and he had no idea that I was the same person that was sitting next to him at WrestleMania. uh, And then uh, he told me about the virtual convention, you know, that we were, that he wanted to put on and I said, let's do it. And I mean, it was awesome to meet, you know, talk to all those people that you, that you grew
1: up with and uh, it was really incredible experience. So I have to ask about this. You got to have dinner on your 40th birthday with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes. Yep. Wow. Okay. I, I got to get a little bit more. You know, what was that like? Because obviously, you know, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, you know, it sounds like you and I are kind of right around that same age range. We grew up watching him. I mean, you know, the I WWF know. and then later on when he was the butcher. You know, what was that like? And, you know, and, and how was that able to get arranged?
2: Uh, yeah. So it just happened by by, by circumstance, I guess. I had met him a few months earlier at a, at a comic con convention that I happened to be like walking by and they were there and I, and I met him and he was really nice. And of course, you know, everyone hears the different stories that that you hear about professional, about professional wrestlers. And sometimes they're in good mood. Sometimes they're not. I, I even told my wife before we went to dinner, I'm like, I have no idea how this could go. I mean, this could go, this could go one one of two ways, you know, it could be really bad or it could be great. And, uh, you know, we, we flew down to Florida. We live in Boston. We flew to, we flew down to Tampa. We met, uh, you know, him and his wife. We went out to dinner and it could not have been a better time. I mean, they could not have been nicer people. They answered all of my mark out questions that I had. And then, uh, you know, just somehow we just kept in touch. I mean, I guess we just hit it off and, you know, kept in touch. And um, it was just a really surreal experience. But You know, if you ever get, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes, but uh, I'm certainly glad that I got to.
1: That would be kind of an awesome, you know, well, one That'd be a great fortieth birthday. That's one you'll never forget. I actually had the chance at a California Harley Club convention to sit down and have a, have lunch with Dr. Death, Steve Williams. He invited me to join him while he had a steak. So, you know, that that was Uh, kind of fun to get just you know, jaw with him for, you know, one-on-one for a little bit. So. How long have you, have you been a wrestling fan, like, all your life? Were you watching this as a kid? You know, what, what kind of fascinated you? What got you involved in this great world of professional wrestling?
2: Yeah, so I probably, you know, I, I mean, I grew up in uh, Connecticut, so I was, only, I was only exposed to the WWF. You know, superstars of wrestling, Saturday, after Saturday morning cartoons. It was like the cartoons, you know, uh, became the wrestlers. Like they just transposed into these, these guys were larger than life. And that was my literally every single day. That's all I would do. I would tape them and then I would watch them after school. I'd watch, uh, primetime wrestling. We had MSG. So I'd be able to catch the MSG matches Saturday night's main event. I've, you know, I had all the LJN figures. I still do, you know, I would, uh, run my own promotion at my house where I had, you know, I'd be booking all the, ma- all the matches with, with my wrestling figures and, you know, using their moves and everything. And uh, for probably a good seven-year period, it was literally in my entire life was just wrestling.
1: Now, you know, as you, as you got older, you know, was getting involved in wrestling something you were interested in, whether it be, you know, as you said, like your podcast or interviews, was it something you wanted to get involved in somehow in the wrestling world? Uh, You know,
2: I totally stopped being involved in it. I didn't watch it at all. And what got me back into it was probably, I think seven seven years ago when I had my when I had my first son. Um, You know, I was going through all my all my old toys and everything, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta start. I gotta get him ready to start watching wrestling. I mean, what was better than that? And then I try to watch it now. You know, it doesn't really compare to. Least not to me, I mean, nothing compares to your childhood. I mean, everyone's gonna, you know, have that, uh, that's that love struck for their childhood, but, um, yeah, so that's how I really got back into it. You know, I started watching, I got, the, I got the network, I'm watching all, you know, all the old, I've watched every WrestleMania probably twice in the last two years. Um, I have all the figures now, and you know, my kids love playing with them and they know who all the old school guys are. So, yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I've got a son. He's uh, nine years old. He loves watching the old wrestling. It's kind of fun, though, to be able to sit down and watch it with your kids and see them watching it for the first time. And you, you kind of know how, they, how excited they are because it helps you remember the excitement you had when you were watching it as a child. You yeah. know, it's kind of like we, we're watching vicariously through our sons now.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, they, and they, I mean, they know all the moves. They know, you know, it's, My kid brought Davey Boy Smith to school for show-and-tell you know, they dress up as Hillbilly Jim. I mean, it's, it's so funny.
1: It's just a, a, a really great experience. I got to protect my son. I got to make sure he doesn't do wrestling moves on his sister. That's my concern. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So what, whats is, what, what is your professional background? You know, cause like I said, I got an you with the COVID con and all that. Mm-hmm. I liked your interview style. You know, you, you got a good rapport with the, uh, with all your guests and all that. So I figured there's gotta be some sort of like, you know, professional background where, you know, you got a chance to, you know, interact with people and communicate and all that. you so you're really good at what you do. Well, I appreciate that.
2: Uh, I I'll admit the first, first day at COVID con, I was super anxious. Um, I, I probably, you know, had like the wrong questions to the wrong guests. I was, I was just super nervous. Um, you know, but after the, the second day, I was, I was much better. But um, my background is that I was a stand-up comedian for 10 years in New York, in New York City. Um, after that, I, you know, wanted to get into something that I was actually going to pay pay the bills. So I got into um, into sales where I had to, you know, talk to clients on a daily basis. But um, I still write comedy. And I think if if uh, COVID ever goes away, I'm definitely going to get back on stage now that I have, um, you know, some now that people have no, what, a little bit more of a following, you know, I could probably get back out there and, you know, see if we can make some people laugh.
1: So how does it like getting to perform on, on stage as a stand-up comic? Because there's a lot of professional wrestlers now that, you know, do stand-up comedy. I've had a chance to see, like, you know, Dolph Ziggler and RVD, and, you know, they're now doing stand-up shows, telling stories and all that. And It's kind of an interesting correlation between the two.
2: Um yeah mm. well wow, you're gonna make me fight my inner comedian versus my wrestling fan here um do i <laughs> like when celebrities all of a sudden become comics i don't like that when i'm a, as a comedian but i get it right because th- these wrest i mean they have funny stories to, to, to share i mean i've heard i've i've seen hacksaw's act and it's it is funny i mean he's got funny stories do so i think he could get up there with the with regular comedians. Probably, probably not. I mean, he probably doesn't have the, the joke writing ability, but, um, yeah, I mean, when you have a name, it's a, really easy to get, to get the audience's attention. And especially when you're sharing inside jokes that they can share, you know, that definitely helps as well. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I know King Kong Bundy was, was doing it for a while. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think if, you know, if you're, if you got the chops and you got good stories to tell, um, I think anyone can, can get up there and, uh, I mean, these guys command in in an audience of, you know, thirty thousand people on a, on a nightly basis, so <laughs> it's not hard for them to get up in front of three hundred
1: people. So, how is it for you, though? You know, what, what's kind of the adrenaline for you when you go out onto the stage and get to perform? <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. I mean, I I have to. Uh, I get extremely nervous. You know, I'm I'm extremely extremely nervous, right before. I get up on stage and then once I get my first joke done, you know, I'm, I'm into it. And I've always wondered that about, about wrestlers. I'm like, cause these guys, they can't break a smile. They can't break character. And I've always wondered like, how do they not just burst out laughing sometimes, you know, on stage, we're like, at least on stage, I can do that. Cause that's my job is to make people laugh. And if I think something's funny, I can just start laughing. Uh, no one knows if I, if I, if I mess up, cause they don't know what my act is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, absolute adrenaline rush. I mean, someone told me a long time ago that it literally is like doing heroin. I've never done heroin, but I'm assuming it is because you have a super high when you're on stage and you get off and you still have that high a little bit and then you go home and, you know, you still got to do, like, the dishes and you got to clean up and you're like, I just made 500 people laugh and I have to, like, do normal stuff. And I could see how people that are in the performance performing industry how they can get into that, that raw. I mean, it's really, it's a really depressing industry to be in because you are, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows.
1: See, I can understand that because, you know, I've, you know, done stuff in the ring for various shows and all that. I've done interviews, I've done stuff with that. And there is an adrenaline. I should get out there and there's the crowd and they're cheering for you. and You kind of get that pump. You know, I even get it now doing, you know, the radio shows because I'll get a chance to interview, like we interviewed Tracy some others. And it's like, wow, cool. And I settle into that, that profession. Okay, I'm the interviewer guy. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, holy, talking to Tracy Smothers or I'm talking to Nikita Koloff. And then the show ends and I'm like, okay, now i got to go to work at the bakery and you know, clean up the dishes and all that So I can kind of see that. There's definitely the, you know that, that rush of, yeah, and then you kind of go, all right, back to real life.
2: Yeah, and, think, and, and you'll probably agree with this, but is there anything worse than like, you get so excited. Like I was, when I came back from having dinner, after having dinner with Bruce Beath I couldn't wait to tell everybody. I was judging people. Like I was judging if I wanted to hang out with somebody based on what I think their reaction was going to be. Like that's how I did. Like if my wife was like, do you want to go to dinner with so-and-so? I would think, huh, any chance that they're a wrestling fan? if they weren't, I'd be like, eh, I'm not really interested. So I get you know, that. You don't like, have the excitement yet. You know yet. what I mean? You know, when oh, you're definitely. out with, like, talk, and, you, and, you, and you tell somebody like, I just talked to Jerry, you know, Jerry Briscoe the other day and they're like, who's that? I'm like, you don't know who that, you don't know who that is? Like, what is wrong with you?
1: You know? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, A group I worked with here, um, here in Texas, I got to do a couple spots before the show, you know, that we had on Facebook Live. And one of the segments I did, I got to do something with Rodney Mack. And basically, Rodney Mack beat me up. I was the cameraman, dumped me on the ground. I was excited as hell. I'm calling my wife, going. I just did this promo with Rodney Mac. I got knocked to the ground, and she's like, "Why would you be excited about him knocking you the ground?" I'm like, "It's Rodney Mac." <laughs> she didn't right. share my excitement.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we've had we've had uh, you know definitely a great experience doing this, and I know you guys mentioned Tracy Smothers, who we had uh, at COVID Con with uh, John Cosper, and I'll tell you. I was trying to clip it. I was trying to clip it out, but you know, I couldn't figure out. How, YouTube wouldn't let me clip the clip for some reason. But you know, we had him on. He was on for about 35 minutes, and, and um, you know, you figure the condition that he's in and the battles that he's going through, and he's able to con- conduct that interview. And you know, he was just a really nice guy, and, and it's really unfortunate.
1: Oh, definitely. It always it always sucks to see you know some of the guys you watch growing up pass. You know, we've recently watched you know Road Warrior Animal uh you know Tracy Smothers. we've lost so many It's it, it's never good you never want to see the guys go you know and uh, it's bad we, and but, we
2: had we had uh we had Kamala on he came he came on at uh, at Covidcon and then we had on um you know Road Warrior as well and and he was supposed yeah. to come on for for Calicon
1: unfortunately so yeah he was the day of his passing he would have if qualify Early Club had gone on his schedule he would have been in yep. Vegas that day because that was going to be the night he would have received his uh, tag team award from the California Hourly Club.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, yeah.
1: it's been a really ter- terrible terrib- terrib- year. But, you know, one of the good things that kind of came out of this year and this pandemic and the new normal is, as I mentioned earlier, the virtual con. You know, everything is like virtual now. There's virtual asylum. There's autograph signings where you can, you know, get autographed photos and all that from different guests. And Kenny Casanova and John Cosper came together and they produced COVID con and COVID con, I'm sorry, was an absolutely amazing event altogether. Total. You guys probably had, I'd say what 30 hours over the weekend and you were there for most of it. Like I said, I think I spent more time with you than I did with my own family <laughs> that week because <laughs> I had COVID con on the entire weekend because I'm fascinated by interviews and historical stuff. And for me, it was great. And like I said, that's where I got introduced to you, but. Let's talk a little bit about COVIDCon and how you, know, you got involved with it and just kind of the inner workings of it and everything because there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes of that.
2: Yeah, so uh, like I said, the, well, you know, one of the challenges was, first off, the technology, right? So we had to make sure that all the guests were going to be able to have good internet connection, um, that I was going to work. So like the, you know, the night before, um, we were testing everybody and then so, and then what would happen is because there was a lot of, you know, there were some people that I had never heard of before, and you know, there's nothing against them or or me. It's just the wrestling industry is is really big industry, and I'm not gonna know whoever every single person is. So sometimes I would have like my notes up on the screen, and then Kenny would text me five minutes before and say schedule change it's so and so. And I'm like, oh man, he was on tomorrow, like I wasn't ready for him yet, you know, so somebody would come on who I may not be familiar with. And I'm trying to ask like generic questions just to get them start talking, especially if the, if the questions weren't coming in. So that was a little nerve wracking or if, um, if the, and I'm sure you saw there a couple of times where a guest didn't show up on time and it was just me by myself and I'm trying to fill, you know, fill the time right there. And, you know, I have to, um, have a balance between like, I didn't, I was told not to not to you know write any jokes. I was going to write jokes just in case to fill the time, but I wanted to keep it more wrestling centric. So, but it was fun. I mean, it was obviously it was I mean it was unbelievable time. Met so many people, made so many new friends, and you know it's really cool to to learn about uh, you know different people in the industry.
1: Now, when Kenny came to you with the idea and said, "Hey, I want to do this virtual convention." I'm guessing he didn't throw at you, oh, it's going to be two days, and each day is going to go from, like, 8 in the morning until midnight. I don't think he probably approached you with that. You know, <laughs> What was his initial approach to you with, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, are you interested?
2: Uh, yeah. His, well, his, yeah. He, he, um, like I said, I, I interviewed him on my podcast, and then I think a couple days later he, he, he uh, texted me and was like, hey, are you interested in In doing this virtual con, he's like, I think it's going to be like four hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday. And then it was probably a couple days before, and he's like, Hey, I think, um, I think it's getting bigger than we uh, than we thought. And I'm like, Hey, what? I'll do 24. It doesn't matter to me. I'll do whatever. You know, one of the challenges was sitting in a seat that long because I hadn't been used to that. You know, my legs were starting to starting to hurt. My back was hurting. Uh, I had to take a couple a couple of breaks, but, um, you know, it was it was a really great experience and uh, you know you guys I think you, you guys interviewed Kenny right you guys had Kenny on the show
1: oh a couple times yes
2: yeah all right well first off Kenny is the nicest guy in the world he is one of the best authors you know on of any genre I have read all all of his books and every single one of them you know puts you in the mind of the person that you're that you're reading about and uh I mean I tell him all the time I'm like man you need you you need to be writing more biographies because his books are just incredible. But uh, yeah, I mean, working with Kenny is, is, is great. I mean, he's a funny guy and, uh, you know, nice guy in the world.
1: So he says, you know, four hours on a Saturday, four hours on a Sunday. This turns into, like I said, a 14 hours or more each day. You're obviously co-hosting uh, uh, Rob the Slob, who does the uh, Vicious Circle podcast with Sid Vicious, who was one of the guests during COVID COVIDCon. So you split the duties with him. But that's still a lot of work. Every 30 minutes, there's a guest coming at you. You know, as you're sitting there and there's one guest after the next guest after the next guest, you know, you're eventually, as you said, you were nervous at first. But I noticed as the shows went on, you became a lot more casual, a lot more comfortable. I mean, everybody's got, anybody's going to have nerves doing something like that. But as this is going on that first day, you know, what's going through your mind? Because really, this is the first virtual convention. In my opinion, I think Kenny Casanova set the bar, and he's the one who basically created the virtual convention because I don't know of anything like this before he did covid time. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, you know, what was going through my mind was just don't mess up. Like, don't say something stupid. I was trying to say – I was really trying to use the uh, the old saying, um, you know, it's better to remain silent and have people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So I really didn't want to say anything stupid. I didn't want to ask dumb questions because, like I said, there were some people that came on that I, I didn't know who they were. And somehow, and you know, Kenny was texting me literally the entire time. Like I would get a text every minute. I probably had a thousand text messages that day, but those two days from from Kenny, because he would be at, telling me like, um, so and so was in the green room, or you know, bring so and so in, um, or you gotta you know you gotta because what would because here's what would happen, somebody would come on the it would start slow and then maybe there'd be five minutes left on their time and then a million questions would come in and the conversation would just start picking up and then kenny's telling me to wrap while the you know while the while our guest is in the middle of a really great story and you know uh eric bischoff is in the green room so it was one of those things where you try to have to really adjust on the fly and, and just try to make sure that you're keeping the audiences um You know, we want their attention, and we want to keep it fun for them. So if somebody was telling telling a really good story, I was trying not to cut them off if I didn't have to.
1: Now, one thing that came up during uh, the two days that I noticed, uh, Brian Nobbs being one of the, you know, main ones, uh, technology doesn't seem to quite, you know, adapt itself to some of the wrestlers because I know doing uh, a radio show years ago, I'd get a hold of, like, say, J.J. Dillon or, you know, one of the guys from, you know, territory days and be like, okay, we're going to call you on Skype. And they'd be like, what's that? Oh, well, it's just numbers that types in. Oh, I just have a, a landline. Oh, okay. All right. We're not going to use Skype. You're now having to do that same generation, but now you're explaining to them, Hey, we want you to click on this link. You got to have your webcam, microphone, and you're going to use StreamYard, And it was obvious that some of the guests did not quite grasp the concept of video stream. Uh, <laughs> How did that play into it? Because, like I said, you know Brian Knobbs being one of the notable ones. There were a few times where it was just kind of like they just, they just look lost in the translation. Yeah.
2: Well, that Sunday, I think it was uh, that Sunday. Um, Bushwhacker Luke came into, um, you know, if you use Streamyard, you got to click twice. So you go, you click it, and then it tells you to enter the enter the studio. And he never yes. he never entered the studio, and he was telling Kenny that I wasn't letting him in, but he just wasn't in the green room. So, I'm like, do I have heat now with one of the bushwhackers because he doesn't know how to use Zoom? But that, which I thought was funny. I'm like, I never thought that that would happen in my life that uh, bushwhacker Luke would be mad that I couldn't get him on, you know, with technology. But yeah, I mean, that was definitely a challenge. That's why we tested everybody the night before. We literally tested every single guest. Um, and there were a couple who just, you know, for whatever reason, either, either they were on location somewhere or um, we, you know, we tried to do every, We tried to do the best we can. We had somebody call in you know, and we, and we play the audio through the phone just and put our picture up there. I mean, we did everything we can to, to make sure that everybody was able to,
1: you know, be able to share their voice. So we tried our best. Well, I think you did an amazing job. And like I said, I watched pretty much, I think 80% at least of COVID con, I would just have it, you know, on in the background as I'm going about my daily business. But you talked about testing on Friday and the test was live. And you had a guest during the testing phase of this, that You know, Glenn and I have had on as a guest a couple of times. I've had him as a guest uh, two or three times on other shows. And that's the original Mr. Wonderful Rock Riddle. What was it like? Did you know anything about Rock Riddle going into this? And if so, great. And if not, how did you come out thinking about Mr. Wonderful?
2: I did not know who Rock Riddle was. I'll have to say that. But I'll tell you what, man, that guy, he's a a really nice guy. Obviously, I've talked to him off air. And, uh. He's, he definitely made me nervous because I'm like, oh, hey, we have Rock Riddle on. And then he does his introduction. He's like, I'll, he yep. goes, I'll give myself the introduction. But uh, that guy, he's a, he's a, he is a funny guy, charismatic, uh, really nice guy. And I'll tell you what, I love him. I, lo- I love Rock, and I hope I get the chance to, to meet him in person. I ho- when the conventions open back up, I hope I get that chance.
1: I recommend if you ever get a chance to once everything opens back up, join Cauliflower Island Club if you haven't already go to one of their reunions rocks there every year. That's where I oh, first after, met him. Oh, he is a absolutely. wonderful guy. Yeah. And yeah, as far yeah, as the interviews right go, now. Glenn and I can tell you, we had him on last year. As I, I said, guest. we asked him one question. Yeah. 55 minutes later, Glenn closed the show. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't ask another question the rest of the show. Cause that's True rock. story. He'll introduce himself. He'll interview himself. All you do is just sit and listen.
2: Is he, the, is he the, uh, the Kanye West of wrestling?
1: <laughs> he he's he's the original mr wonderful rock riddle you know high from the hills of hollywood the you know, palatial estate the lamborghini driving Rolls royce where it all that i've i know his intro i've done his intro and all he said was that's okay rock's a great guy though i love rock riddle yeah he he he, he you know what? he is a great
2: i mean all these all these, all these guys are, are really great and i I love how um how appreciative they are of the fans that you know that still care about them, and I think that I think that's really cool. And it's just great to be able to give back to, you know, the people that that gave us all those great memories when we were kids.
1: Well, exactly. If you ever get a chance, go to YouTube, look up like uh, Fernwood Tonight or The Gong Show. There are clips of Rock Riddle on both of those shows. I definitely have to. Uh, I have. I have to do that. Yeah, seeing him back in the day doing the stuff with like you know Martin Mull and all that is absolutely amazing. His his timing was perfect. Yeah, that's great. Uh, he's he's a he. he
2: I, I love. I told Kenny, I'm like, can we get Rock on every week? I love talking to Rock. You wouldn't have to
1: talk. Just turn him on and let him go. That's, that's all right. you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn for the next round of questions.
0: Well yeah I think right. thank you so much uh Mike uh, this is wrestling memories then and now I'm just again I'm enjoying sitting back and listening uh Eddie to uh, you and Mike uh, talking about COVID con and all the different things that went into it you mentioned uh comedy uh I got to go into your comedy uh, career here and go into what uh, a couple of questions about that who were some of the comedian? what was uh, the attraction with comedy who what what drew you in initially uh you know what was it who was the comedians that inspired you to take that that trip and to get involved with comedy writing and, and doing doing stand-up
2: yeah well i was voted class clown in high school and, <laughs> in grammar school and that usually helps but uh i don't know i think you have to have really good timing i think i have good timing but my my comedy heroes were george carlin sam Kinnison ronnie dangerfield jerry seinfeld i mean jerry seinfeld was the one that made me want to, to be a comedian i wish i I mean, of course, my big regret is not putting the work in that I probably should have to be able to, uh, you know, to pursue that as a career. But you think wrestling is tough? I mean, comedy, you don't even get paid most nights, you know, so it's uh i wasn't really interested in that type of in that lifestyle
0: yeah because that's a lot of hustle i mean hitting those open mics and and then getting finding your entryway into uh into some of the clubs i mean you had to really kind of i don't know find find some people who had influence in certain ways just to get even the basic of time slots at some of these premier clubs
2: yeah, I mean, when I, when I made the decision to stop doing comedy, the, the only, really the only reason I went and got a job in the first place was because I thought to myself, if I can somehow you know, crush it at work and be able to save up half a million dollars, maybe I can just get out there and start promoting myself. and put billboard, I was going to put billboards up in every state, like every major city across the country. And then after like six months of people wondering who the heck I am, I was going to start doing shows unfortunately that never happened and uh but that's all right i mean you know you're never too young to start so
0: oh absolutely absolutely i mean never too old never too old yeah, yeah, most, cool. most, most, most definitely, and I, I don't know. I guess the whole comedy thing was. I've, I've recently been watching uh, on Showtime the uh, the docu series about the the Comedy Store and some of the the, the people who were uh, who made their career and some of these comedians that you may have forgotten about that were really really uh, something special. I, it's just uh, that lifestyle. I mean, you think about the Comedy Store; that was another place where people could go and do their thing, but they weren't necessarily getting paid all kinds of money with Mitzi Shore running the place, so that was another place. Even at the most high-profile of locations, at certain points in time, you were still basically, uh you know, working but not really getting paid. So that I means what a grind that is. uh you know, Whatever decade it is for for comedy, I mean, to be able to hit these venues, but to be able to find a place that pays, it also is also part of the the whole trick of it.
2: Yeah, and um, I forgot what the name of the book. I think it was called Comedy at the Edge. Have you ever read that book?
0: No, no, no. I I haven't read that one, but I have read "I'm Dying Up Here," the one that uh, ended up becoming adapted for a sh- uh, actual scripted show on Showtime a few years ago that talked about the the uh, stand-up comedy industry, especially out in the West after Carson moved out there in the seventies.
2: Yeah, I think "Comedy at the Edge" is about the Comedy Store. I just I read that a few years ago, but that was a uh, that was a good book. But th- th- uh, Rock Riddle performs at the Comedy Store, doesn't
0: he? Um, are you sure, Mike? Do you know about that one?
1: He, he told me. He, he told me he did.
0: Well, I'm sure. He,
1: he, I believe he has. I believe he has made appear- on stage appearances at different clubs and all that. I'm not sure of exactly where, but I do know he has done like on stage appearances to tell stories and kind of from his Hollywood career.
0: So we got that figured out, but yeah, I just was curious about that side of your, your, your career. Cause I, cause I mean, when you mentioned it, uh, it was just, I, I don't know. I'm, I've am i just been fascinated about the lives of, of, of a comedian and just what goes into it and just how genuinely sometimes sad a comedian can be and how down they can be because it's just, it is such a rat race and it's just, uh, there's not enough cheese out there for the, for the mice to get at.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's, um you know, it's, it's one of those things where, at least for me personally, I was never comfortable telling the jokes that I really would like to tell on stage. Like when I'm with my, when I'm hanging out with my friends and and joking around. I mean, I know I'm funny because I I just know how funny I am. But the jokes that I tell in private, I would never tell in public. Just because, um, you know, sometimes I feel like you alienate the audience, and especially now, like. God forbid you 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 say one wrong thing about somebody and uh, your whole your life could be I mean your life could be not your comedy career your life could be over. Like that you know you could be completely ruined. So to me, you know, right now it's um it's tough to, it's tough. I feel bad for the comics now. And yeah. you know if I if I do get back on stage, it'll be strictly dad jokes. <laughs> that I tell for my you know 5 and 7 year olds
0: yeah it is such a minefield to navigate through uh in the in this era this uh, i guess hanging over us all of this political you know political correction you got to be politically correct you got to be able to you know you don't want to offend anybody because every anybody with it you know it used to be the days you know before the era of the cellular phone now where you can go into comedy clubs i mean michael richards had to pay for that one a few years ago with his rant but it's just like you you can't really again you, you you would you have to your p's and q's to a certain degree but there are still out there some comedians that still like to go out and and and, and, and live a little bit dangerously of course they've had to pay for it in the school of public opinion but there's a few out there that, that keep the hope that comedy can still be a little bit dangerous even in these times where everybody everything has just been so dull around the edges
2: yeah and i'll tell you guys uh one quick joke that because no one ever gets it because they're not wrestling fans but When I used to bring my my kid into his preschool class and I would have, you know, be the winter time and I'd take off his jacket for him, I would look at the teacher and I would say, he thinks I'm his manager. And she would have no idea what I was talking about.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) You have to work that for a certain audience, but that is good.
2: I I know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But uh, no one ever gets Nobody ever got that joke, and my wife was like, "Why do you keep telling everyone that?" I go, "I don't know, cause I want everyone to. I think it's funny. I'm, la- I'm laughing, and that's, that's what matters."
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm gonna bring back uh, Mike. <laughs> I just wanted to stop by just to th- throw a few questions in there, uh, cause I know Mike wants, has a lot of questions. He was very, very did his, did his homework with you this week, so I'm gonna bring Mike back All in. Right. Mike, Mike, we got some questions here. We got about less than 20 minutes, but let, let's get to it.
1: We've talked plenty now about COVID con a lot. We've had Kenny Casanova talk about it as well. Uh, one of the projects you're currently involved in now though, and I watch this every Thursday night, like I said, I'm getting prepped for offshoots TV. That uh, airs like basically right after your show. And now you're doing this thing. It's called wrestling bookmarks, which is basically an extension of the COVID con idea. Except now this one focuses more on the authors and the historians and the photographers, correct? Yeah.
2: So we're, we're trying to bring on, you know, authors and the, Sometimes they'll, br- they'll bring on, you know, someone that they're writing about. Matter of fact, I mean, I'm really excited about t- about tonight's show. We have uh, Princess Victoria on, who I loved watching when I was a kid. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited about, about her coming on tonight.
1: So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, with the success of COVID gone, Kenny came up with this idea. He just came to you and said, hey, I want to do this. And once again, you were on board with it.
2: Yeah, I think uh yeah. I mean Kenny tells me what to do and I, I just do it. I have no choice. No. But uh yeah, you know what? And it's it is good and we have to do a lot better job of, of getting our social media out there so we can, you know, get more people watching and, and we understand, you know, Thursday night, eight thirty we're going up against the NFL. So I've been thinking about we've been thinking about moving moving the day, but I mean at this point we you know, it's the slot that we have and figure people can go on YouTube and and watch it afterwards, or they can, you know, watch it on Facebook. But it's great to have the interaction with the with the fans. So I like seeing the questions come in.
1: So who are some of the guests, you know, between COVID Con and Wrestling Bookmarks and the call? Who are some of the guests that you know you've enjoyed talking to and had a great time with? And on the flip side, who are a couple of the guests that you were hoping for? Oh, this is going to be great, and maybe it wasn't quite the experience you were hoping for.
2: Um. Yeah. Who have I liked talking to? Well, I like talking to everybody, but I thought. Some of my favorite some of my my favorite guests are obviously Rock Riddle. I love talking to, I love talking to Rock. Um, Ian Douglas. Well, Ian Douglas, you don't talk to
1: Rock. He just talks. But
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Ian Douglas has been on a few times. Uh, you know, real nice guy. Um, author. Um, who else have we had on that I really enjoyed talking to? Um. Oh, I mean, I love Evan Ginsberg. Unfortunately, we can never get a good connection when he when he's when he's on. That's, um, that's one of the unfortunate parts. Keith Elliott Greenberg. I like talking to him. Uh, Nikita. I love talking to Nikita. He's a, he's a, he's a
1: great guy too. I believe we've had him as a guest, correct?
0: Yeah. We had him on, uh, when his book came out, uh, was a year or two ago? Uh, yeah, he was a fantastic guest. I mean, his book, his book is so much I think fun. I might've been on
1: assignment that day.
0: I think so. You were, uh, you were stationed elsewhere.
1: And more than likely <laughs> I, I tend to go on assignment on occasion walkabout. I don't really
2: go. have, I don't really have anyone that, that didn't go as, as, as planned. You know, the one that I regret is Kamala. Um, you know, we were, he, he was on for, we had him on for maybe two minutes. We couldn't get a, a good connection with him. And I think it was probably, you know, uh, a few weeks before he we ended up passing away. But, me and Kenny actually talked about going down there. I'm like, we should just go down there and do a, um, you know, like a, let him do like a live autograph signing or something to get the fans going. You know, we can set the technology up. Cause I was going to fly down there. Cause I really wanted to, you know, have Kamala get out there and, and you know, and have the interact with the fans and everything. And unfortunately, he, you know, he then he passed away, but uh, every everyone's a great, we really haven't had any any negative interactions. I mean, I think we would just kill the interview if that. If that happened. Right. I mean, it, we can't, we're not really in a spot where we could you know start uh, arguing with our guests because they'll
1: just click they'll just click the x in the upper right hand corner <laughs> pretty much they'll, pretty much they'll leave but every once in a while you know you do an interview and over the years I've had it is you ask a question or you read a question from uh, someone on facebook or social media and the person you're talking to will be the oh yeah i remember that that was great and you're like, uh, and, and then okay, nothing else. I mean, did, okay, did, of it, you guys, you know.
2: did you watch Colicon? Yes, I did. Uh,
1: that was that was my birthday present to myself. Was Colicon? Somebody asked a
2: question about um, Andrew, Andrew Yang to be Brian Blair. Even though Kenny specifically told me not to ask any political questions, um, I I asked the question, and B Brian Blair was like, you know, he's like, f that. He's like, <laughs> I don't think he's a. With, and, then Kenny, and then Kenny texted me and was like no more questions like that I'm like okay but I thought it was a good question about health insurance I mean we're talking about CaliCon trying to help out you know some of the wrestlers with their uh, you know healthcare and their, their medical expenses mm-hmm. I thought it was a relevant question
1: I agree I thought it was relevant I mean you know and he's and Andre has definitely been busting the balls on WWE and their, their policies and everything so it's been kind of an interesting uh, situation to look into and i think it's a question that should be asked. Obviously, you know, you want a more positive spin on things, and, you know, Brian Blair was not going the positive route with that, but, you know, I applaud you for doing that. You kind of got to reach out there. You can't just give them the cookie-cutter questions of, you know, you're talking to Sid Vicious and be like, oh, how was it like winning the title from Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series? Everybody's asked him that. You want to ask the question that might be a little more provoking, that might get a better response. It may not be a positive response, but you can't always ask the same question.
2: Yeah, I and you, where I, I mean, we've been working on trying to get uh, a Andrew Yang on the on the on the podcast, but we'll see if that ever happens. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair thing to bring up. I mean, who would say no to the wrestlers being taken care of? You know, in their later years when they're not able to earn any money. I mean, who would say no to that? Why would that be a bad thing?
1: I don't think it is a bad thing. I think there should be more health care for. Uh, because, you know, these guys go out there on a daily basis and, you know, they put their bodies through a lot. A lot of times they end up with injuries that touch their career short, you know, and they can't really do much, you know, and we should be able to help them like that, so. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, it's a personal thing for me um, because, like I said, I, I know, um, you know, I just I – I know what joy they brought to me, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, when you're trying to be distracted from, you know, other things that might be going on in your life and you're able to just sit there and, can get into this, into this world and, you know, anything I, I, I can personally do to to pay them back, I'm, I'm more than happy to do. And, you know, that's what we try to do with buying their books and, you know, trying to get, promote anything that they're working on and, uh, you know, just so we can help them out in, in any way that we can.
1: Exactly. And one of the moments that came up, and this is one of the, even my wife got caught up in this moment. Uh, it was towards the end of CollyCon. It was, you were on there. Uh, you had Medusa, Mark Henry, Brian Blair, and Brian Blair started talking about Brickhouse Brown and trying to help you know, him out and everything. And he, he visibly broke down on camera and started sobbing on camera. You had Medusa, yeah. crying. you had Mark Henry in tears at this point in time. I thought that was probably one of the best moments because it was real. You could see you know, how much this meant to you know Brian Blair. And it opened up a great conversation with Mark Henry and Medusa and Mark Henry wanting to kind of help establish a way to help these guys out more. I believe he he wanted to get you involved in that. That for me, I thought was like the best one of the best moments of the Con right there cuz it was a real moment. You know, so on your end, how was that for you going through this cuz you know, you're supposed to kind of keep things going, but you also had to give Brian his chance cuz obviously he couldn't continue for a minute or so.
2: Yeah, no that was that was tough. Um,
1: yeah, Mark Henry, wow, Mark Henry was
2: I mean it's it's so funny cuz you think he's um you know this big strongest man in the world he's, the guy is like so nice right I mean but yeah that was a t- that was a tough moment I mean you know nobody wants to see anyone suffer and especially when you when you you know you see the, you see what these guys put their bodies through and when you compare them to the NFL and other other sports where they're playing half the year and you know they're making millions and millions and millions of dollars and these guys are on are on TV and, and are working more than any of those guys, and you know it just doesn't seem fair. And they have to be bringing. I mean, the WWE is bringing in so much. They're bringing in so much money that they can definitely
1: help help them out. But yeah, that was tough. That was tough. Uh,
2: you know, watching watching uh, be Brian Black Friday like that. So,
1: like I said, I thought that was like one of the best moments because, like I said, it, it made it real. It wasn't just you know, oh hi, I'm on here promoting this, and we're going to talk to Mark Henry, He's going to talk about WWE. It became real. And I'm hoping a lot of the people that watched it kind of realized, you know, the severity of the situation. And maybe they're able to, you know, help out people like Brickhouse Brown. I'm disappointed because I was supposed to be there at Cauliflower Club the year when Brickhouse was there, and I wasn't able to make it. And that would have been my one chance to, to get to meet Brickhouse Brown. That was something I was really looking forward to. And unfortunately, nowadays, you know, those opportunities are being taken away from us way too soon. Yeah. I mean, it's tough for
2: I me. Mean, I don't even know how many. Like I look at all my my LJNs and I'm like, man, how many of these guys are still even are, are still around? You know, there's going to come a time where there's none of them left. Unfortunately, you know, and um, I hope that we're able to, you know, cherish them while they're still here and and not wait. I don't like waiting until someone's not here anymore to tell to tell people how you feel about them. So I think any chance you get to to thank somebody for you know, a memory of what they've done, or I think, I think people should do it and and they shouldn't be afraid to do that.
1: Well, see, that's a great thing about, you know, what you and Kenny are doing with bookmarks and, you know, the COVID con. And I don't know if you guys have more conventions like that planned for the future, but, you know, stuff like that. And what Glenn and I do here on wrestling memories, what I do on offshoots TV, it gives us a chance to have these people on as guests to you know, talk about their careers and not. But it also gives us a chance to say, you know, thank you and share our memories. Because I got to share memories of Nikita Koloff. That was one of my favorites growing up as a kid. So to get to talk yeah. to him, you know, I had to give that opportunity to be like, thank you for, you know, everything you did because that was my childhood. You know, and shows like this give us a chance to do that. And I think it's a great thing. These aren't just a chance to, you know, all oh, we're going to do this interview. You guys can listen to it. No, it's our chance to give back to these guys in any way we can.
2: Yeah, and you know it's funny when I went, when I that when I went to dinner with Brutus, I asked <laughs> I asked him a question, and I don't think he had an answer. But I, I what I asked him was I said, you know, what is it like to be able to put this art out into the world and know that it's going to live forever, like long after you're gone, it's going to be here a thousand years from now. And he's you know, and he was like, uh, brother, I never thought of it that way. <laughs>
1: Well, at the time, they didn't because, you know, they're working the territories and they would work, you know, early WD. That that wasn't a thought of mine because obviously we didn't have that, you know, medium. They, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. So it's only now then it, that was their job. They went, out, they went out and entertained. They loved what they did. It's only now that, you know, they're realizing that, you know, hey, this is archived forever. You know, my great-great-grandchildren would be able to go up and look and see who, what I did against, you know, Hulk Hogan or the Junkyard Dog. You know, decades after I'm gone. So, I mean, I'm I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Oh man, drunkyard dog.
2: That's one. That's one person I would have loved to have had the chance to meet the drunkyard dog.
1: You and me both, man. <laughs> yeah, I was.
2: I was a was huge JYD fan.
1: Now another thing about Collie Condit, I, I thought this was kind of funny, and I've had a chance to talk with him before, so I kind of expected a little bit is. You know, your first year, your your guess was DDP. DDP is a great guest. I'm the one who asked the question about the snake in the house, though, because I've heard that story at wow. California Club, so that was me. I just think that's a funny story. Um, yeah. Then he brought on Eric Bischoff, and Bischoff likes to be abrasive. He likes to be a little controversial when he does his thing. And when he first started, it looked like, you know, he was kind of busting your balls a little bit about, you know, not knowing about his book or whatever else of that. What was it like getting to talk with Bischoff? Because obviously – he does that more of like a character. I don't really think he was coming on here to like, all right, you know, you know, crack you on anything, but he's an interesting interview.
2: Uh, yeah. So he was, um, you know, I, uh, I expected, I kind of expected that. I mean, he's the, he's the star and not, not me. Right. I mean, if that was, and because like I said, I have to differentiate sometimes between comedian and wrestle, and wrestling. And mm-hmm. if that was a different show, that probably wouldn't have happened that way because uh, I'm a trained comedian and I would have had to use my entire arsenal to, make, to combat that. But I was, you know, I was, let, I was letting Eric do his, do his thing. And, you know, if he wanted to sit to roast me, that was, that's, that's fine. I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to, I wasn't trying to put myself over. So, but um, the thing is, I read, I read his, I read his book. You know, I just, I don't know why he didn't. I probably could have asked a lot better questions. I assumed a lot of questions were going to come in, but they just weren't coming in like I thought they were, which kind of threw me off a little bit.
1: If you ever get the chance, I highly recommend trying to get to interview Jim Cornette. If you want to talk about somebody, you know, verbally eviscerating you uh, in character, (laughs) I interviewed him twice and both times I literally had to just step away from the microphone because I was laughing too hard. I could not – you cannot keep up with Jim Cornette. That man's mind is amazing. He is so sharp and on point when you ask him questions. Yeah,
2: I listen listen to
1: his show. I mean, that guy, guy, he's a funny guy. Now, okay, we're going to wrap this up. I got one more question for you before I pass it back over to Glenn. Um, You know, you said growing up, you know, you were only WWE or WWF at that time. You didn't know a lot of the guys, you know, Brock Riddle and some guys like that. Now you've gotten a chance to, you know, hear from different people and hear stories from different eras and just different territories and all that, what are some of the things you've taken away from that that just, like, impressed you, some of the things that stuck with you?
2: Uh, that's a great question, and I'll tell you what I've done. So, obviously, I've researched everyone that I've talked to so far, like, even afterwards or whatever, but I have every, like... You know PWI. I have all the old wrestling magazines. I probably have every one since like 1982 and 1983. So it's funny because I'll go back and look at them, and I'm like, oh, top ten rankings. And I'm like, wait a second. I just I just talked to that guy, or like Bill After. You know, I wasn't familiar with. I mean, I knew who he was. Like, I knew the name, but I couldn't. I'm like, where do I know that name from? And then I was like going through all, all my magazines. I'm like, wait a second, Bill After. That, that's the same Bill After. Like, you know, sometimes like you, to some you think these guys are are larger than life. And then you meet them and you talk to them. and You're like, that's just this guy's like a regular guy like me, and it's uh, it's crazy. But I've definitely I've gone on the network. I've I've looked up all you know all the, all these matches that I've that I, you know people are talking about. Even during the show, sometimes somebody will mention a match, and I'll like go on YouTube and, w- and start watching it while they're while they're talking. You know, because I think it's I just think it's so cool, like you know, being able to hear their um you know their version. But like like I said, tonight I'm so excited to talk to the Princess Victoria. You probably remember the match when she, I think she broke her neck. Um, yes. A tag team match. And I'm like really excited just to talk to her about, you know, how that happened because on the film, you really can't even see what happens. It's like so innocuous, it, like happens so quick. So I'm super excited for tonight, for tonight's show.
1: So for our listeners, you know, if they're interested in finding out more about you and, uh, you know, wrestling bookmarks, COVID con all that, where can they find it all this on social media?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to wrestling bookmarks, which is on, on on our Facebook page. You can find us on our YouTube channel. It's wrestling bookmarks. All the videos are there. We don't, we don't cut them or edit them. So they're all, you know, live and unfiltered. They're all unfiltered. You can find me, please follow me on Twitter at Eddie Bratz, Eddie with a Y, -Y, E-D-D-Y, B-R-A-T-Z. You know, hit me up with some questions and, and any suggestions on guests that you think we should have. And, you know, we'll reach out to them, and you know, we'll we'll bring anybody on as long as they're interesting and, and they have to do with the wrestling industry. Probably get you guys on sometime.
1: Cool. I'm down. That'd be great. What? How about you, Glenn?
0: Hey, I'm down with the two man, cool in the gang. All right. Yeah, we'll talk. All to right. Well, Glenn, else. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, sure I'm the timekeeper
1: is. We're good to go. I'm sure the timekeeper's looking over your shoulder now, though, Glenn. Unfortunately,
0: absolutely, got to wrap up this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. A big thank you to Eddie Bratz, and of course for the grizzled vet. I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now.